Hello and welcome to the Winning in Work podcast, the career podcast dedicated to making work great again. I'm Nikki Thomas, global career coach, speaker and author. Each week I'll be talking to inspirational, motivational career innovators, motivational coaches and life transformers. Those that are at the top of their game and they love their jobs. To find out their routines, their daily beliefs and how they have achieved success, sometimes against all the odds. Winning in Work is all about helping you achieve your life and career goals and helping you unlock your true potential. Whether you want to find success in your career, find the right career for you, or just enjoy your work again. The Winning in Work podcast is here to prove that your future is whatever you create for yourself. I truly believe that no one should be in a job they hate. And with this podcast, I want to prove to you that you don't have to be. Hello, welcome to the Winning in Work podcast. And on today's show, we have Rachel Conroy. Hi, Rachel. Hello, Nikki. Um, So Rachel's background is that she has worked in fundraising and events for almost 10 years now. She's worked for Breast Cancer Now, for Prince's Trust, Comic Relief, and recently moved to Movember in 2018. Yeah, that's correct. So tell us a little bit about Movember, because we all know about the Mo's in November, but Tell us really, where does it start? What's it all about? Yeah, no problem at all. Um, So Movember is the world's biggest um, men's health charity and it has very different origins for a charity, I think. So it essentially started with with a group of um, mates down in a very cool district of Melbourne and they were talking about fashions that had come and gone and why some things come back and why they don't and they started talking about the moustache and why no one was walking around with a moustache anymore, particularly in the Western world when, you know, pre-war, every man had a moustache and then it had a bit of a revival in the 70s. Um, So they decided for a guy's birthday that they would all grow mo's for the month of November And no pun intended, but it literally grew and grew from there. They didn't expect to get the reaction that they got. And they had so many people talking to them, offering to give them money. They thought, okay, there's something in this. Um, So with the money that they got, they decided to look up what the biggest um, health problem facing men was. And at that time, it was prostate cancer in Australia. So they handed a big check over to a prostate cancer foundation in Australia. And it was the biggest check that that foundation had ever received and then from there they gained official charity status Um, they moved into different markets so the biggest markets that Movember operates in now are still in Australia where we're headquartered then here in the UK and then in the US and Canada but in total we actually work in 21 countries um, and that includes a lot of countries in Europe and as well as developing globally what has also happened is we've discovered kind of the biggest health problems facing men. So prostate cancer is a disease that predominantly affects older men. Mm -hmm. Um, It's usually men over 50 who are most at risk of getting prostate cancer. And so the organisation, we looked at what what risk do young men have? And um, testicular cancer is the most common cancer in young men. So then we started to look at testicular cancer and what we could do in that area. And then the third strand that we've really, really developed in and have some really exciting working to is mental health and suicide prevention in men. And the reason for this is very unfortunate in that 75% of all suicides are men. That 
is a really consistent statistic across every country in the world. Mm. And at the moment, there's no reason why it should be skewed that way. So we want to work to to really change that. So they're the three areas that, that we're fighting for. And essentially, the main reason is that globally, men die six years younger than women on average. And we believe that it's for preventable reasons and, and the three areas that I've just mentioned before and we want to work on those and how we can change those and ensure men live happier, healthier and longer lives. It's an amazing charity. It really is. And it's not even a charity now, is it? It's become an entire, it's become a way of life. It's, it's huge. I know so many people that grow moustaches and actually Rachel and I met when I asked Rachel to come down and do a talk at one of the companies that I used to work for um, a, a couple of years ago or a year or so ago. It is a huge, a huge, huge charity. So many people know about it and it's doing so much great stuff in the world. But I guess what made you decide to work for Movember? Yeah, um, so my background, as you said, in introduction is very much charity based. I've I've spent my career working in the charity sector. Movember appealed to me for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I think that there are so many amazing causes out there and charities all tend to work in quite different ways. Movember works in a very commercial way compared to some other charities. It's not positive, it's not a negative, but I, I enjoy working in that way. So I knew that from people that I knew that worked there and actually my director, I've worked with her previously, so we had a conversation before about what it was like to work there and that way of working appealed to me. But I think more importantly, the the cause does really resonate with me. I unfortunately have some family members, some male family members who who went too soon and I believe that if they had opened up, if they'd spoken more, something could have changed and it wouldn't have to happen like that. And it's, yeah, it's something that I really truly believe in and I think the combination of believing in the cause but loving the way we work is is why I love working there so much. It, I think this has got, this is actually something that I realised when I was younger is that the view and obviously I know Movember covers um, prostate cancer, testicular cancer and also as well as you know mental health and suicide but I know that the view of suicide say 10 years ago a lot of people were very negative about it. It was seen as a very bad thing to do. In the most recent years due to I think a lot more education around it, people talking about mental health a lot more now people are shocked by it. People actually have known people that have as you say gone too soon and and it's become something that w- I think as we're all getting older, we're just becoming, you know, it's just hitting us in the face. Whereas I do remember sort of 10 years ago when I was in my early 20s, especially during the um, the financial crisis when it was, ha- it was a very big thing in London, a lot of people did not look at it in the same way that I think people look at it now. They don't show it. I think now we're learning more empathy. We're being a lot more compassionate than what we've ever been before. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think um, it's not just a, a, a male issue, but obviously that's where my background is. So I will mm. I will speak about it with a male lens in this point. But I think the idea of, of what it means to be a man is changing. And there's lots of conversations around modern masculinity and, and what that looks like. And I think I think more and more men are feeling it's okay to be vulnerable at times. It's okay to open up and particularly in a British culture, you don't have to have that kind of stoic 
keep it shut up a lip anymore. And I think it's only through that really grassroots kind of change that we will impact kind of further down the line and make sure that less and less people are getting to that point as well. What do you think it is that's getting people to that point? I think it's incredibly complex and and no two instances are the same. I think what we do at Movember is we work in what we call a very upstream way. So we're starting at that point and making sure that people know they can have a conversation with someone. We have assets and advice on one, how you can ask for help if you don't know how and you've never asked that question before. But two, how you as someone who may be concerned about someone can can have a conversation, how you open up that conversation and start that dialogue. I think in terms of specifically why there are a whole plethora of reasons, like I said, but I think the overall common theme is that people truly don't know how to articulate it. They they think they've done everything they can when maybe they haven't and there's just that kind of extra conversation to be had along the way. Mm, I guess that is actually a, is it. As you say, it's also not only on the onus on the person who is feeling this way, but it's also the onus on everybody else to to speak up and to be there for that person and to say, I'm here to help you as well, the yeah. moment that you see someone struggling. Yeah, and I think that's becoming more and more apparent in, in the press and the way, not just, again, male celebrities, but female celebrities and, and the way that they, to the outside, potentially, it looks like, they're always on social media. They have this lifestyle where they have lots of friends and they're always having fun. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the meaningful conversations we say are happening. So mm. kind of look out for the men and the women in your lives. And and we say that it's really some key points to look out for. If, if people are thinking, well, I, I don't know what to look out for, it's big moments and big life changes. So they are what you see as negative and you would generally open up to someone and reach out to them. So, you know, if someone's going through a relationship separation, a job loss, um, you know, you probably would reach out to a mate naturally in that scenario. But actually, sometimes the big life moments that from the outside seem incredibly positive actually can trigger mental health issues because people build up the expectations and if they don't feel how they think they should be feeling then it gets them to a place where they feel wrong about themselves Um, so you know some of those key things are um, retirement people have a you think you spend your whole life thinking I can't wait to you know have some time to myself but actually it it can create a sense of loss and another area and it's something that we're looking more into and doing more research into at November is is fatherhood and becoming a new dad and and what that means and how I think the way that we've um, been more open to the idea of postnatal depression for women and, and how we can help and support women is fantastic and then the other side of that is you know there are a lot of dads out there who struggle and new fatherhood too and what what we can do for there and how we can make people more aware to you know check in with your, your new dads make sure they're not becoming socially isolated as as our researchers found they can do as well oh that's a really good point um i know um people that have spoken about being a first-time dad and saying about how they do feel that they're almost a spare part because 
you know, it's basically new mum, mum has baby and breastfeeding and things like that normally leave men sort of out in the cold. So yeah. I totally do get that. Yeah, and particularly in the traditional sense of the way that people still take the maternity paternity leave split, it's I think it's becoming better, but realistically most it is mostly still women who self-work for nine mm-hmm. months to a year, whereas the dad has two weeks off potentially if he, if he's lucky and then he's straight back to work and not only that he's coming then back to like you said there's the bonding happening but also they're in their routine the mother mm. and the new child and where does he fit with that and it's not that the majority of dads don't want to be part of it they don't know how and they're yeah. not quite sure what what that means as well so it's making sure that like I said just really really at that kind of level just asking dads how they are and and making sure you're checking in with your friends who are new dads as well. That is actually something definitely that I need to start doing a lot more of. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think also as a woman, you spend a lot of time around the mums because you kind of separate yourselves. And I guess I'm always asking how the mum, how she's doing and how she's sleeping and how she's getting on. But I do, I don't... I don't know if I've ever asked, actually, <laughs> any of the dads and gone, how are you getting through with, uh, with, any, with hardly any sleep sort of yeah. thing? Yeah, and something to think about. No, and I think it is, like I said, it's not, it's not from a negative place. It's actually coming from a positive place that oh, I don't quote the statistics exactly, but I, I read a study the other day that showed how much more time dads are spending with their, with their children than mm. they were in, I think it's 40 years ago. And it, it has gone up exponentially so it's a really positive thing because men want to spend more time Mm. with their their children so it's not that they don't want that but actually that that balance like I said of being in full-time work often and then spending all that time with your children and making sure you're having that connection can leave the man incredibly tired as well and men want to split the night shifts and and things Mm. like that so it's not just the mum anymore it's it's a much more cohesive piece which I think is positive but it means we just need to check in more that yeah, side yeah for sure I suppose the flip the other side of Movember is as, as I say um sort of the cancer uh part of it and the amount of work that's done and fundraising that goes into you know into research for men and support for a lot of people and this is something that I remember from the last talk that I heard is pretty much that people just aren't getting checked. Men aren't checking themselves. And I get it. Like it's a it's a bit of a weird thing to have to expect people to do. It's not something that we were ever sort of taught or mm. told to do before. And I think the big thing as well is people are just too busy, too busy to go to the doctors. You know, work gets in the way and to take time off to go to the doctor, you just don't have time for it. What is it that I guess Movember says on on I know it's so easy to say just go off and just go to the doctors but what's the support that Movember can give in this instance yeah so I think the first thing I think would be good for everyone to know is just you know what to look out for and and what age you're you're more susceptible yeah so prostate cancer as I said before generally affects um, older men and our advice at Movember is that Every man over 50 should ask his doctor for a PSA test to check if there are potentially signs of prostate cancer there. And then we suggest that every man who either has a family history of prostate cancer or is of African or Caribbean descent has theirs checked at 45 and has the PSA test then. 
lots of people ask me why it's 45 for, for men of African and Caribbean descent. And the honest answer is currently we don't know. So not enough research has gone into prostate cancer to identify that. But they're the key numbers, 50 and 45. So if you know a man in your life, ask him if he's had his <laughs> PSA test, if he's over 50. I'm sure if he's anything like my dad, he, he won't be happy about you, his daughter asking him that. But that is why Movember exists. And um, mm. and women do play a huge role in, in men's health as well and, and talking to them and making sure that they are going to the doctor and doing that. And in terms of what you said in, in, in time and everything, a PSA test is a very non-invasive test. So it it's something that you can do and, and you don't have to kind of go to into surgery or, or have anything like that. So it's a non-invasive test that you can have at the start. With testicular cancer, whilst it does affect young men, it can affect anyone predominantly from the age of 15 upwards. I do advise all men to, to check themselves and testicular cancer, you can actually check yourself as a man. So we advise a, around once a month, just fill your testicles, you take it between your thumb and your forefinger just have a roll as it were <laughs> and um and if you notice any swellings any pains any lumps any differentiation then book an appointment with your doctor immediately and testicular cancer if caught early has a survival rate of 98% which is wow which is Obviously, it's not amazing for anyone that goes through testicular cancer, but what it does mean is if, as a man, you're aware of your own body and, and you can spot the differences, then you, you can make a difference early on too. I think that's exactly it, is that it is something that takes two minutes to do and can save your life, can possibly save your life. Yeah. And, and I know because the same with women, you know, with breast cancer, exactly the same. You know, it takes two minutes to check and I know that we just it just doesn't fit into our routines and it's not because we and we can say it's time but it's just not at the forefront of our minds but when you give out statistics like that it's such a small thing to do yeah. for, for such great reward yeah definitely <laughs> and without making light of it i mean i don't know many blokes that don't like to have a feel every now and then <laughs> so I, I don't think it can has to change behavior too much yeah <laughs> that's true. to get to that point <laughs> Uh, I think the, the stuff that, I mean, what Movember does is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And yeah, it's it's bringing, I think because the founders were young and it's almost that it's appealing to younger people and it's putting a lighthearted, it's not lighthearted, but puts a more of a human spin mm-hmm. on this. This isn't, this is the science and so you have to listen to the science. It it makes it, I don't know, it just makes it more real and people can can get on board with it. I know that it was the Mo Awards last night and that is something that, that, as I say, makes it real, makes people want to go to it. So tell us more about the Mo Awards. Um, Yeah, so it was actually our our first ever Mo Awards here in the UK and we decided it was a way to really celebrate the the success of our, our community our biggest ambassadors and and the the Mo Bros as we call them and also the Mo Sisters who do the amazing stuff and raise all the money and do everything that means we can fund 
really great research and, and programs as well. Mm. So it was held in Village Underground in Shoreditch. So it was all all exposed brick, lots of marsh lamps, lots of mows projected onto walls. Very, very Movember. And <laughs> and, um, and we told the guests that the this dress code was Movember smart. So there were some lovely purple suit jackets from the guys and awesome. things like that. So it was, it you know, everyone who came just had a brilliant time. And we had some amazing winners who all either survivors of prostate cancer or testicular cancer themselves or men who have sadly contemplated or tried to take their own lives and are very luckily through the other side and also people who who have known people and lost people too early mm. um, and their supporters as well and it was just a chance for us to really say thank you to to our community and to to showcase the amazing work that they do but also at Movember we we like to be like you said that I think it is digestible but also we are trying to get men to talk so we want to create places where men can talk as well so Mm. it was an environment where our supporters came together some know known each other for years and years and years other meet others meeting each other for the first time and they're having those connections and I think one thing I saw which was absolutely brilliant is we have um a really young supporter called Fraser. He supported us all through university and he's just started a job in London on his grad scheme. And um, and one of his friends was nominated for the Rookie of the Year Award. And it was through Fraser that he got involved and, and learnt about the charity. And his friend won. And Fraser, Aww. I've never heard anyone cheer so loudly and be so supportive of, of their friend doing something. And I think as as a man it's really important to kind of show that that you are supportive of your friends and it shows that yeah. you're there for them as well and it was just a really great night it sounds it sounded brilliant the photos if you go on linkedin the photos are brilliant <laughs> um and one of the things that really stood out to me uh, rachel is that you wrote in your linkedin post this morning while i was scrolling through my uh, my news feed was that you love your job and i think that Given everything that you do, obviously doing the first awards last night and the amount of people that were saying what a great event it was and tagging you in it and saying, you know, fantastic organising, you know, fantastic event. I mean, to get a job that you love and you can and you feel I guess that you feel that you're making a difference every single day. How how did you do that? How did you pick to do what you do? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, maybe it's not that interesting, but um I, as I said, I, I have always worked in, in the charity sector and kind of coming to this podcast and knowing, knowing what we're going to discuss, I've been thinking, well, how, how did I make that decision? And it's hard to kind of track back your thought process. But I remember when I was at university, I, you know, didn't really know what I wanted to do next. I did start applying for some kind of sort of like marketing and and creative um, grad schemes at various big companies. And I got fairly far in a few, but, and then I thought, well, I actually don't want to do this. Mm. So I took a step back and I was very lucky to be able to do another year's studying when I, and and I did a master's in that time. Um, And then alongside my master's, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I was doing a bit of part-time work, but also doing some volunteering and it was a pure coincidence that I ended up volunteering in a a fundraising team it wasn't intentional and 
I just really enjoyed the atmosphere and I thought the skills you need here are all things I really love. It's relationship management, it's project management, it's being creative as well. And I hadn't realised that I could do that for a job whilst also raising money for other people that aren't the shareholders and isn't the business. So it was just from there, really, I decided, okay, this is what I want to do. And I got my first fundraising job back in London. And as you said before, I've I've done a few different branches of fundraising yeah. in my time. So I've done quite a lot of events fundraising, but now I'm in what we call corporate partnerships. So it's a case of working with big corporates who very generously give their time and their money to support us. And, you know, I work in the sector because I like, like I said, working for someone that where the money goes to a cause. But equally, I couldn't do what I do without big companies who don't do that. So it it all ties in. And I think that's really, really important to remember. It's, It's my personality that suits that but I I also equally need the companies that are are doing that and making that profit so that we can get the profits as well in that sense too. But I think again big companies that's what they have a whole pot set aside to do good in the world and that is a huge thing as part of the whole CSR movement in all big companies and so to be able to go and give to something like Movember or actually just give to Movember (laughs) (laughs) is something that a lot of their employees will identify with as well as a lot of their clients and I think that's I I think all in all it is a win-win is that you do have those corporate companies in to help yeah definitely and um and as I said we are quite commercially minded at Movember so most of the partners I look after we actually end up working with their marketing team because we have dual purpose campaigns that we run around Movember and and they you know they utilize our well-loved brand to to raise the money and it's like you said it's it's win-win there as well because it's helping both them meet their marketing objectives but also we get to utilize a well-loved brand in our campaign as well so it's all meeting objectives whilst raising money for a great cause too it's brilliant and that and that is it all companies are working in that way companies want to help charities charities need the help of companies and it's a fantastic partnership because it brings us all together as well yeah so i suppose as we're wrapping up now for people to find out more about movember how do they get in touch yeah so most of you know that it is a campaign in november but we are a, we are a year round charity we fund programs all year round and we also Anyone can do anything at any time for Movember if they want. So the best thing to do is go to Movember.com. You can find out the ways you can get involved. Lots of people will grow, but um, we also encourage people to move and host for Movember. So you can do your own move challenge. We have a series of Mo runs that we do in November too. And you can host for Movember, which means you can do anything you like. You can host a pub quiz, you can host a dress down day, or you can just, you know, host a roast um, is one that we always like. So you can show your skills off, have a few mates around and get them to donate for a roast dinner as well. But yeah, best thing to do is to go to movember.com to find out more. I love that. I actually love the host the roast or host a roast. <laughs> and on a bleak day like today, it's something that you really need as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. And also the runs. So anyone that is interested in getting involved in Movember, 
head to the website. And you can also follow on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, yes, Instagram, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Fantastic. Rachel, th- thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about a really difficult subject, actually, but talking about something that we really need to be bringing into today's conversation. No, thanks so much for having me, Nick. It's been great. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the Winning in Work podcast and leave us a review. Also, join us on Twitter at Winning in Work, where we share all our upcoming guests, live events and career workshops. Winning in Work is a podcast that's turning the rat race into a work happy place. This episode has been produced by Podcast Syndicator. To find out more about Podcast Syndicator, go to www.podcastsyndicator.com.